good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is James Duff Merritt, and I want to welcome you to the KSAM Speaks podcast. Now, this is a podcast where topics involving law enforcement are discussed while offering real and transparent answers. Now, we are not trying to change the world, but just change one heart at a time. Here's your host, KSAM. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of K Sam Speaks Podcast. Here today, I have a special guest in the studio. Y'all know him, y'all heard him before. What's up, Sergeant Holmes? Hey, K Sam Speaks, baby. I'm glad to be back again. Man, it's been a while because what you what year are you on? Like 43? 43? Yes. Yeah, I think we've done that. the episode of the 40 the year vet. Yeah. So that's it. About three it's years, been a, yeah. Been a minute, been a minute. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in uh, to another episode where we are spotlighting African-American law enforcement. So this is part two where I'm going to chop it up with Sergeant Holmes talking about his career um, in law enforcement as an African-American man. So, but first, before we get started, Sarge, man, how you been? Man, I've been I've been great, man. It's been it's been a blessing. It's been busy. It's been it's been good. You got a, you, you got some stuff brewing, which we will get into. I, at I the got end some of stuff episode. brewing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He so, so just making moves, boy. So just making moves. Uh, but like I said, man, it's always a pleasure to to have you back and chop it up. You know, the door is always open. For you to come in and talk, yo, talk. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it too, K-Sam. So, uh, so like I said, man, we could just chop it up with Sergeant Holmes and um, to talk about his experiences as an African-American policeman. So, Sergeant, man, I'll let you introduce yourself to to the new listeners, and then we'll, we'll dive on in. So, you got the floor. Yeah, I'm Sergeant Holmes, y'all. For those of you who hadn't had an opportunity to listen to me speak, uh, it's been a pleasure to be able to get on this uh, podcast with K-Sam and, and chop it up a little bit and talk about some of the things that are near and dear to my heart, man, this policing thing. Uh, I uh, really, really love being a police. I love doing it. I love serving. It's just been a, a great a great thing for me. It's been a calling. So I'm just happy to uh, have the opportunity to talk about it. I've, I've been in the game now, going on 43 years this year, and it's uh, it's all been fun. The, the rain, the sleet, the snow, the ice—you <laughs> name it—it's all been fun. Well, 43. So let's dive right into it. What made you want to be in law enforcement? And I'll kind of lead you on to this. Uh, well, you were military, right? So Marine Corps, right? But I was I was police before I was military. Um, to tell you, you know, I, I speak to a lot of different organizations and stuff, and I always tell this as, as part of my story. My dad gave me a cap gun. I was probably around five or six years old, and I knew then whatever I do was going to involve guns. Now, <laughs> growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up, grew up in, <laughs> that means I was either going to rob you or I was going to protect you. So I always say, thank God for a praying grandmother. So. <laughs> Cause it was gonna go down one way or another. <laughs> Good guy, bad guy. Yes, sir. So you got your cap gun, and you knew from there. I knew right then and there, man. Whatever I did was gonna involve guns. I'm, I'm glad I had some positive influences in my life that guided me to do the right thing and and get to the position that I'm in now. It was just a a blessing. I just knew it once. Um, my dad was one of those guys that just didn't. No stranger, knew everybody, knew a bunch of police officers. And that's really kind of how it got started as well. When I got the cap gun, I got a chance to 
sit in these police cars, sit on these motorcycles, hit the siren, and do all of this, and ask them about their guns. They would show me all the equipment and stuff. So it was it was just a blast, man. And I knew then it was going down. What what year was this when all this was going down? Oh, you said was, you were five, was probably, or yeah, this? I was I was about five six years old then. Yeah, we talking ooh sixty. Oh man, I can't even do the math on that. <laughs> I just said you was a you was a pup. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you, you was a pup. Yeah, I was so, a baby then, boy. So while while we while we in the sixties, how was law enforcement, or how how did African American community look at law enforcement, or how was law enforcement towards the African American community? Do you have any bad experiences or stories that maybe you witnessed or you experienced yourself? Um, I, I didn't. I, I really kind of, like I said, my dad knew so many police officers, so I got a chance to talk to them, get to know them. They knew me, so I really couldn't get in trouble because they, hey, they was going to snatch me up to begin with anyway because they knew dad. And it was just one of those things, man. I, I never got to see the bad stuff really until I guess I, I actually got into policing myself. I wanted to finally got into the military, but I wanted to go in the military when I first got out of high school. And my mom said, no, son, you will wind up in Leavenworth. You are not going to, <laughs> you are not going to the, to the military. So I, they give me a gun in the bag, say, son, go forth and conquer. And I've been doing it ever since. And after about, I guess what, 11, 11 years, I, I joined uh, the Marine Corps. And uh, went in as a military police, did dignitary protection, canine, all, all of the good stuff, all of the fun stuff. And just had a blast with it, man. And law enforcement, I knew that's that's what I wanted to do. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, went back into civilian law enforcement and been here ever since. Man. So with you being military police, or for the acronym MP, if you would have done military police before civilian police, you think military police would have made you want to get into civilian policing? Oh, absolutely. I still would have done it. It was, yeah, it was just, it was a calling. No, no ifs, ands, and buts about it for me. It was definitely a calling. So, um, and like we talked off air, <clears throat> just for the disclaimer, not trying to make this, this series about race or show racism, but I just want to spotlight um, difficulties that, you know, African-Americans have to go through in law enforcement. And you said off the air that you really didn't have any bad experiences with um, being accepted as an African-American police officer within the various departments and agencies you worked for. Um, and you said that most of your, your, um, your troubles came from your own, your own people. <laughs> say be your own people, man. Your own people, man. The most, the most, pushback I got was from my own people because you get that you sell out your uncle Tom you're just working for the man and all that kind of stuff so but you you know you you get past that because one of the things I was fortunate being raised by both parents and grandparents I knew who I was so I really didn't have a problem with what people said about me and to this day that still carries forth because I know who I am so I don't really worry about what they say right right (laughs) they don't determine what I do Oh, so during during your time growing up, so 60s, 70s, 80s, how was, um, were they still experiences with um, law enforcement appearing to be racist towards the, the black community? Oh, absolutely. It was, it was there. It was, it was just as prevalent then as it is now. 
It's just that now with social media, it's spotlighted. It's spotlighted. It's, yeah. it's right there happening in your face, live, right. coming at you. <laughs> so it's 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 none of it's really changed. It's changed for the better now because it's it's spotlighted, but it, it was always there. Didn't really talk about it a lot back then. You read newspapers, you hear it on the news, you you'll see it on the news and and that type of thing. Hear it on the radio, but for the most part, you didn't really see a whole lot of it up close and personal because when it was happening. It would happen so quick in certain areas, and then it was over. So you didn't really get to, to see it unless you were just right there, and you were part of it. So Yeah. Um, so a major incident, I guess one of the most talked about incidents, we're talking about police brutality, was Rodney King. Rodney King. So if my math is mathing, you were still active law enforcement. Uh, take, us, take us down that, that memory lane of where were you when this happened, your thoughts as of as a police officer, but not only as a police officer, because you are uh, African American, you're a black man before anything else, uh, like you said in, in the previous episode. So just give us a, a walkthrough of that experience for you as a as an African American man, as a civilian, and then being in the law enforcement profession. Well, first, it was being as a police officer. And I'm like. Okay, this is really not happening, but it was because you're watching it unfold right there as as it as it takes place. Then, as a as a black man, I'm like, oh my god, what what has happened? What what are we doing now that we as black men can't get pulled over by the police and get out of a car and things just go awry? Um, it, it was un- unbelievable um, to be thinking about it as a as a black man. Then as a as just a, a civilian, it's kind of like, okay, this got to be a commercial. They, they're shooting a commercial here. This, this is not happening. Because you don't really get to, you don't get to see that as a, as a civilian, that type of, of brutality actually happen. Knowing that it does, not saying that it didn't exist, but you don't get to see it. You'll, you'll hear about it. You'll see the pictures. You'll see the bruises. You'll get the news commentary about what happened. But you don't get to see it live in, in, in person like you did with, with Rodney King. So after after seeing that, did that change any perspective of of you being in this in this career? Like, did it make you second guess? Like, man, I don't want to be I don't want to be associated with a profession that's acting in a manner that these police officers acted. Um, or did it make you want to go out and try to create change and change the narrative and the outlook on? Um, people's perspective african-americans perspective on police officers in general that's that's exactly what it did it did the opposite man it really made me look down deep and say why am i doing this knowing and understanding my why because i want to make it better i want people to see that we're as african-americans we're capable of doing the job first of all and then that we're able to police our own people and still still be kind with it you don't just necessarily have to just you know, Bogart, because, you know, when policing started, it was all of the big guys, the big six foot, six foot five, six foot six guys, 250 pounds solid, just bruises. That's how law enforcement got started. And that's what they were, were there to do to just basically beat people back into where they wanted them to go with law and order, law and order. That was the thing back then. But it changed. And, and I was glad to be a part of that, because if you see me and you look like me, there's a chance, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, it happens. It still happens that way today. 
And it's kind of like they feel our people feel more comfortable talking to us because they feel like you would understand us. Uh, when I was working off-duty security last night, we had that same conversation. Uh, this chick was came to the hospital because she was assaulted, and she was telling me, her and her mom was telling me how they were treated by the uh, the officers on scene. And, you know, when she gets angry, she starts shaking, and then she already talks loud and, you know, talking with her hand, and they looked at her as she was the primary aggressor. But as a as a black officer, we know, and I'm doing it right now. I'm talking with my, I'm talking with my hands, and I'm not even, you know, we just have a normal conversation. But when you understand that culture and, hey, I'm not, yeah, I'm upset, but I'm not, displaying anger towards you that's just how it's just how we act it's how we talk um and that that goes a long way but at the same token when i worked in in lafayette i used to always shut that down when i would come up on the scene as a backup officer and they want to draw take their attention and talk to me one-on-one nope you because you need to learn how to communicate and they need to learn how to communicate you know the white also need to learn how to communicate and understand the the black community and the black community need to be able to feel comfortable talking to the white officer, because brother man they always show up. For you. We're not we're not gonna always be there. It's not it's not that many of us. So right. we're, we're trying to do better with it, but um, we're just trying to get a, a lot of us to to get in the game, and and a lot of us don't want don't want to do it for some reason or right. another. So so during what decade? <laughs> go say decade. <laughs> during what decade um, did you? feel that law enforcement was the most crucial for like African-Americans, whether it, it, you know, whether we took 13 steps back or whether you felt during this time, like, okay, we finally, we finally going somewhere. We finally getting somewhere. Like the black community is finally able to trust law enforcement because here we are in 2024. As soon as we start building trust, they always got that one apple that that, that sets us back, but not even talking about present day, you know, talking about from what you started in 81 yeah, up until, let's just say, 2010, because around, what, 2015-ish or so, that's when all these um, incidences started really being spotlighted by social media. So let's just say from 81 to 2010, in what, in what decade era did you, did, or besides Rodney King? Well, in, in the 80s, when I began in, in the 80s, I can tell you with the crack epidemic, it was so bad that policing was really tough because it was the war on drugs and all of that going on. So a lot of policing was just harsh, just harsh, just brutal, just in your face, where you're going, what you're doing, where you've been type deal. Then when it came to the 90s, things start to to evolve, which you have to because if you don't change, you you're going to lose a whole lot of different things. A lot of things are going to happen and none of them are going to be good. You start to see the changes in the, in the 90s when things uh, got a little, started to get a little better. You're starting to get more African-Americans to become police officers, which was the hard thing, getting, getting us to the table and allowing us to know and feel that we can do it. And that was the biggest, the biggest part about it, being able to get them to, to understand that they can be police officers and police your own and police others as well. Um, then when you, you get to the 2000s, things really um, really start to change because with social media now, the things that were happening between the 80s and the 90s 
with the, the violence with police officers against the communities, now you see it up front in your face and it's, it's instant. It's right there. Well, what's going on now? Everybody's waking up to it. Well, well what is happening? Why, why is this happening? What are they doing? What are police officers doing? Why are they not taking better care of us? Why are they talking to us this way? You know, and once it got spotlighted, things had to change and they did. They really started to change. Yeah. And you had, you had some pretty unique experiences cause you worked in several different States. Um, so uh, let's talk about that. Well, I ain't gonna say what was your best experience, but like, just talk about your different experiences, even from military policing to the what you had worked two or three different areas you worked in. Yeah, um, let's say three, three different states. I would think um, it was really. I've been in an agency where I was the only African American that was uh, in uniform, and. Uh, didn't have any issues within the police department, but you had more issues outside of the police department and not always with my own people because there were still some people that wasn't ready for an African-American police to tell them what to do. Mm. You're not telling me what to do. I'm not listening to that. Nothing you say, boy, you need to go sit back where you and go back where you come from. Right. And right. I've heard, I've heard those words. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard those words. <laughs> Strong right there. (laughs) Oh yeah, I've heard those words. So, but but again, knowing who you are and being able to deal with that was the the biggest thing. And and I knew who I was, and I always remembered my why. And my why was always because I want to make a difference. Because if I don't get out here and make a difference, who's going to do it? I'm not going to wait on anybody else. I'm not going to put it on anybody else. I don't expect anybody else to do it when I can do it for myself. And make a difference so that others can see that there's there's a difference. Right. So I just had to write that down. So talking about that phrase of, you know, white people, mostly, I'm sure, I don't know if it was other races, but let's just white people, um, not being ready to have an African-American man with authority be able to dictate, tell them, you know, command them, demand them to to move in a, in a certain manner. How how was that? Like and I know you just said you knew, you understood your why, but what's crazy is it happens today still. Oh, absolutely it still happens. It, it, it still happens today. <laughs> um so let's let's take a little a little detour into into that 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 moment in your career. Like was it was it often, and and how did you overcome it? Besides knowing why, like what was your response to that? The biggest time, me me being who I am, having the personality that I that I have, of course, me being the, in this particular situation, the only African American that's on the on the department at the time, and just like with any any situations, you're going to come into. So I got a backup, whether it's a backup officer, I'm primary. When we get there, I would always put it on. Him. You, whoa, stop. You can't talk about my partner like that. He's sensitive <laughs> to these types of things. So you gotta be you gotta be careful. So let's just get through this. So that would kind of get him get him chuckling, you know, get a laugh out of him and, and it kind of kind of ease things down. Cause we're gonna do this one way or another. You you either can do it the right way and we can get through this and handle it, our business and take care of it with each other like professionals, or we're gonna get down right and dirty and I don't care about it either way. I'm good either way. Either way. Uh, so how how would your partners 
react. No, he, he would laugh as well, and that would really kind of break the ice, and that would kind of get things going. So get us back on track to what we were doing, what, what, the reason why we were there. To, and w- it was to help them. It was to serve them. And that's what it was, and that's what they finally realized. So how long did, did that take for, I guess, more so for you to be accepted in that, in that specific community and for them to know, like, no matter how you feel, like, you call for help. It, it was a small community, so it, it, it ran pretty rapid, pretty quick, because once, once that incident kind of happened, everybody talked about it, everybody laughed about it, and they, they made jokes about it, and they were like, okay, well, I got to meet this guy. Now I want to meet this guy. Now everybody want to meet, but who is this guy? You know, so it, it, it went pretty well, so it, it, was, it was definitely a good thing. So, so <clears throat> any struggles by being accepted by the black community? I know you said earlier that, you know, of course, you was the, the sellout, the Uncle Tom, working for the white man. Um, but what was your, your biggest struggles of getting them to understand your why? Just having that, that conversation with them, finally getting them to just, just listen to me for a minute, which was the hardest thing because they didn't want to talk to you. I, I, ain't, got, I ain't got nothing to say to you. Nope. Well, not, nope. I, I got nothing. That was their thing, you know. So, But just getting them to listen to me, and then it was kind of like, okay, all right. And I've had him say, well, you know, maybe you're not that bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, may, maybe I'm not. I'm, I'm human just like you. I like to laugh. I like to dance. I like to clown. I like to cut up the whole nine yards. Living just pepper like stuffer, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and and that's, the, that's the biggest thing right there is they don't want to give you a chance just because you wear the uniform. Right. It's like, man, just because I'm in this uniform, you're already ready to write me off. You know, already to to scratch you off, and and I'm here, I'm here to help you, but you ready to just write me off, which is which is is, is wild that you know that it happens and it, it still happens because when I started in 2015, I had the same situation, you know, I got in I got in this profession, I was a firefighter, I had it good, everybody, everybody was a firefighter, was a firefighter. <laughs> I had it good, and to to come into a profession with very intent to be the change within the face of the African-American community. Um, yeah, they, they gave you the hardest time to be your own people. And one, one of the things that I had to really get across to them, I'm like, let me tell you something. Good police officers, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, or whatever, good police officers, don't like bad police officers either. And it took a while for people to realize that, well, man, you know what? You may be on to something there. And, and it's true. We're people too, so we don't like the, the bad police officers neither. And, and like, you know, I've said on the podcast before, I'm a snitch. It's me which I am a snitch. So do, do some craziness around me. You're going to find out. <laughs> quick, quick too. So going back to when you first started, uh, I just missed this question. But um, how were... How was your family accepting this? So I know you said your mom didn't want you to go to the military. So, like you said, it was something would be with a gun in my hand. Oh man, it, it got even worse. My mom was like, "Okay, you know, I didn't want you to go in the military. Not, I can't believe they're giving you a gun." <laughs> like, yeah, mom, they're giving me a gun, but they're gonna also train me. Yeah, <laughs> so they're not just giving it to me. So they're gonna train me and make sure I know what I'm doing and be able to take care of people. And then for a while, man, it, it my mom was just not. Not real happy with it. She was worried about me. Always upset. What's going to happen? You know, you know, you, you, you're African-American. And you know, what's going to happen when people, how people are going to react to you, you know? 
and she worried for a while, but then after she realized and she got to see me do different things, I was in a couple newspaper articles for doing some good things and stuff like that. So she was like, okay, okay. Maybe my baby gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> he gonna turn out to be something yeah. one day. So how was like uh, friends, you know, close relatives, cousins and stuff that did they turn the cold shoulder on you? Like, oh man, you you working with the people Ooh, now. Man, lost a lot of friends. Come on. Lost a lot of friends. Man, how man, what are, what what is wrong with you? What are you thinking about? What are you gonna what are you doing? Man, I, I can't be with you no more, man. I can't hang around you no more. Like, dude, it's it's a job. It's a career field that I've chosen. I thought we was friends. Right. And then wait, on the other hand, wait, aren't you my cousin? <laughs> so what is wrong with you? Right. What is wrong with you? Yes. Yeah. What, what is wrong with you? Uh, so kind of now we're jumping into recruiting with that very statement. Do you think that that's why most African-Americans are hesitant in, in today's uh, society from wanting to join the profession, worried about the pushback from family, friends, losing friends, um, and just just being blackballed because now you you working with the people. Oh, absolutely! It's, it's tough uh, for the generations now to to get into this field because they they don't want that. Everybody want that acceptance, and they want their friends to remain their friends. But I tell you, if they're your friends, they're gonna be your friends. If not, you get into a profession like this, you're gonna really find out who your friends are. Right. And there's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I had some friends that that respected the the, the profession, um, and you know they was doing some stuff, smoking that they shouldn't have been doing, and they they was like, "Man, look, because your profession, we ain't gonna do that around you." And I was like, "That's all I ask. I don't care what you do. That's your business. Just don't put me in a in a predicament to where I, I lose my job or I get myself in trouble behind your foolishness." Um, so, but you know, and it all goes back to understanding your why, like who, why are you doing this? You trying to do it to make them happy or to please them? Or are you trying to do it to better yourself and, and you be a change in something that needs help changing? And, and you know, and I, I like to talk to a lot of young people and, and that's always a, a thing with me. Why? You got to know your why you do anything. Because if you're doing something and you don't know why you're doing it, there's a problem no matter what it is. And you got to know your why no matter what, what you're doing, what you're thinking about, what you're trying to do. If you don't know your why, there goes a big problem. Yeah. So as an ex-recruiter, <clears throat> did you have a hard time getting African-Americans to, to come um, to join the profession or even think about it by coming apply and take the test and go through the process. I, I didn't, uh, I was very fortunate in loving what I do and, and dressing the part. Cause I, I'm not bragging by no means, but when I put the uniform on, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that's a police officer right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, you'll see it. And, and you'll, you'll get those that see that and like, well, man, I, I want to do that. And the greatest form of, of, of flattery is imitation. So you get people that, that want to do it. And that's what you, you want. You want to have like-minded people that want to do this job, people that want to serve, people that want to protect people, and people that want to do just good in general. Right. And, and it's, you get those like-minded people, you don't have a problem getting them to the table, no matter whether they're African-American, Hispanics, Asian, or, or whatever it may be, whatever 
race it may be to get them to the table. But you just have to let them know your experience and you be real with them. And I've always been been real when I was recruiting. And there were some some instances I can remember a, a, a deal that um, a chief saw me talking to a young man and I just straight told him, no. This is not the job for you. This is not something you want to do. You might want to go to Burger King. Would you like fries with that order? This is not for you. And and he had, he pulled me aside afterwards. Did you really tell that young? Yes, because I'm just telling you. I'm telling you what I know. I see it. I'm just saying. Keep it a buck, man. Hey. I'm saving. I'm saving all of us a headache. Yeah, keeping us off CNN. Right. Um, so what you think is, is the biggest struggles just in recruiting in general, because I mean, at our department, I'm sure, and you could probably speak more on this too. Used to see 300 people come in, apply to take a test. And I think like a couple of weeks ago, they had two that came. So some people blame it on the pandemic. I mean, I said in the last episode, money can only be flashed so much. So what do you feel is the real, where are we missing the mark? Not even just our department, but, you know, just because it's, it's, a, it's a nationwide struggle in law enforcement. I, I think we're missing the mark because of, of the media and the way the media portrays law enforcement. That because they only show the bad stuff. Not that we're looking to for you to see everything that we do good because we do a lot of good every day on a daily basis yeah. and we don't do it for that reason we do it because it's the right thing to do and we don't we don't boast that but the bad stuff is always there those 15 to 30 second snippets of the bad stuff when it's happening and then society is like well why would you want to be a part of that why would you even want to get involved in that and and it's twofold you're right you wouldn't want to get involved in that if that's all you see but on the other side of that, you want to get involved because you want to be the change. You right. want to help make a difference. So, Yeah, I, I told uh, some new guys the other day, I saw them at the station. Brand new, green, no experience. And I was like, man, kudos to y'all who in today's society with, with how law enforcement is portrayed and, and blasted with all the negative that you still woke up and decided, hey, I want to do this and I want to be a part of the change. Uh, and not everybody get in this profession to be part of the change, you know. Some to some people, it's just a job. Um, I mean, I respect that, you know. That's your why. Yeah. I needed, yeah, I, need, I, need, I needed a job. Y'all was bills. I need a job. Y'all was hired. So I, re, I respect that. Absolutely. But uh, but yeah, man, it, it's it's tough. I saw a, a local agency around here. They had two hundred fifteen out of like four testing sites and they was like California and Tennessee and even around here. And a total of 215 people showed up to, to apply with that agency. Um, so, yeah. So man, we go, before we transition into, into your next journey, uh, I'll let you have some closing remarks into this African Americans uh, in law enforcement topic. Well, it's, it's, it's such a, a great profession. It, it really, really is. Uh, I can't say enough about it. Uh, I really and truly love it. If the years that I have put in don't say that, you need to come have a conversation with me. Come see me. Come see me while I'm out there, while I'm in action, while I'm talking to people, while I'm helping people, while I'm serving people, because it's truly, truly just that. The old adage of protecting and serving. And everybody can do it. 
and my African-American brothers for this Black History Month, brothers and sisters, look, y'all come on out and, and do this thing because um, we need you. We need you. Your community needs you. That's a fact. So moving to the new journey that you have, uh, what you what you got going on now? Well, 40, 43 years and you just still not finished. Yeah. You just you just still not finished. Forty three so, years and I'm not done. So you yet. you looking at, to to make some history in our in our county that we in, right? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I didn't even think about it like that, but it just happened to work out like that. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it. But I have stepped off into the political realm, mm. and, uh, yeah. running for a a sheriff's department and uh it's it has been a journey let me tell you <laughs> it has really been a journey it's been a learning experience it has been i tell you learning what i have now i wish i would have done it earlier and and i i've gotten into the political game and talking to people because the local your local offices is really where it starts at where it's groundbreaking where you get to make change where you get to say things you get say so and in those offices, until we start realizing that and, and going out and finding offices that we can run for, that we can help, that we can hold and, and make a difference in your community and make that community grow and make that community understand who and what you are and what you need. So it's been it has been a eye opener <laughs> and uh, I'm just ready. Whatever the Lord have in store for me, I'm, I'm ready for it. So, so how, how this this came about? Like you just woke up one morning and was like, you know what? Man, I'm about to go run for sheriff. I, you know, I, I, I did. I had a conversation with a young man, and he was wanting to hire me to come and work for him. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man. I'm a praying man. And the things that he wanted me to do, um, change the culture, bring um, more professionalism to the to the department. All about that. That's, that's me. That's what I do. Can I do that? Absolutely. And, yeah, pretty much I woke up one morning, and I say, well, Son, why don't you uh, just do it for yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's always be careful what you ask for because <laughs> you just might get it. And it's, it, it has. It really has been a journey. It's been fun. It's been hard. It's, it's been grueling. It's been eye-opening. But I've, I've met a lot of great people on the journey. I, I really, really have. A lot of great people. So, so when you started your law enforcement career, well, like, what was your ultimate goal? Like, like, did you always envision yourself being a chief of police or a sheriff of a of a parish, where we from, <laughs> or, or or a county, where, where others call it? Or this is just, I mean, you just walk walked your journey of throughout your career, and this is where. This is where you at now. Yeah, this, this is just kind of where I'm at now. It's just been a journey, and, and my journey has just been so great because being in it as long as I have and just to rise to the rank of a sergeant, which people have tried to get me to do the lieutenant and all this other stuff and chiefs and all of that. But as a sergeant, I just have so much influence with the, the younger generation, and I like to share the knowledge that I have and see that they don't make any of the mistakes that I made 
or do even better than what I've did because I've had a great career. I haven't had many mistakes. I've had some because uh, I am a friend of IA. I've had some. <laughs> I, I'm no stranger to IA. I hold so. a hot seat in IA. Because <laughs> if, if you haven't been to IA, you ain't doing no police work anyway. So that's right. just kind of kind of what that is. But but yeah, I, I want to make that difference so that people can see it. And and and, and that the rank of salt, you just have so much influence because you're right there with the men and women of, that's actually doing the job and, and to share my knowledge with them. And I don't know it all. I don't claim to know it all because it's still a learning process for me as well. And I learn from them just as much as they learn from me. So it's just been a, I've just had a great career. Okay, Sam, that's all I, it, it really has. It's been great. Yeah, especially to be at this point and because you was in recruiting and then correct me if I'm wrong, but you was in recruiting, pandemic happened, they started making y'all do some shifts on patrol, and then you realize, oh, I missed this. And then not only you asked to go back to patrol, but you asked to go back to the night shift. To the night shift. <laughs> and they thought you was crazy. They, they still think I'm crazy. <laughs> Say, Sarge, you have all this seniority. Why are you on nights? Because nighttime is the right time. <laughs> <laughs> nighttime is the right time. Oh, boy. Well, Sarge, I think we covered it all, um, but I'll give you, again, another chance to to have closing remarks, not only to about law enforcement, but whatever you want to talk about, um, you know, just from what you learned and want to want to encourage people to get to the to the voting polls, because now you you are in a position where you need people to Absolutely. get out and vote. Absolutely. So I'll leave you with the floor for some closing remarks before I give the word of encouragement. I close with this. I mean, it's one of those things that my journey has been spectacular. I can't say anything, but, and I thank God for every bit of it. And like I've said earlier, the good, the bad, the ugly, the rain, the sleet, the snow, the ice, it's been a journey and it's been a pleasurable journey. I've got a chance to serve some people. I've got a chance to put some bad guys in jail where they need to be. I've had a chance to encourage a lot of young people and see some young people grow and become those adults and those productive citizens, which what we want all of our kids to be. So I just tell people to, to stay encouraged, keep your head up, trust and believe in God. I'm not trying to push my religion on anybody, but I wouldn't be here without him, and I'm not ashamed <laughs> to say it. <laughs> so, and, and with that, man, I mean, you know, for those of you who vote, make sure you get out to the polls and, you know, do your right. Use your right. Use your voice. Use your vote. Yeah. So, but my closing remarks use this episode to realize that you have two two brothers right here, African American men that has great success stories of doing this job. I mean, I'm in it nine years. Of course, he's a lot longer than me, but I have a bunch of good experiences from this doing this profession i don't plan on going nowhere so with that being said word of encouragement the older you get the more you realize it's okay to live a life that others don't understand that is it for this episode k sam is out i'll see y'all next time